In the name of our Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Christians sing. It's just a fact. And there are many reasons that we do it. St. Paul told the Christians to whom he wrote to be filled with the Spirit by speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your hearts to the Lord, by always giving thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by submitting to one another in reverence for Christ. Christian singing is the conversation of such saints of Christ with one another for the glory of the Lord. We have examples of Christian song in heaven from the revelation of Jesus Christ to St. John where the angels and the elders and the multitude of saints all join in a responsive song, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is coming. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders bow down before him who sits on the throne. They worship the one who lives forever and ever and lay down their crowns in front of his throne as they say, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive the glory and the honor and the power, for you have created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. And then another song is found just a few verses later. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and you bought us for God with your blood out of every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them to be a kingdom and priests for our God and they will reign on the earth. And John says, and I looked and I heard the voice of many angels who were around the throne and around the living creatures and the elders. Their number was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands upon thousands. With a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. I also heard every creature that is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. It's a glorious song that's sung continually in heaven. And what is held in common among these songs of Christians then and now and into eternity is that they teach. The presence of the Holy Spirit among Christians is not shown by any emotional fervor or excitement. You can't tell if the Holy Spirit is there based on how energized people get. Otherwise, every rock concert would have the Holy Spirit. Instead, you can recognize the Holy Spirit by whether he is teaching you all truth, the truth of God who created all things, the truth of God who was slain and who lives, the truth of the God who bought you with his blood and who lives forever, the truth of the God who comes to you in word and sacrament. In the Holy Gospel recorded by St. John, Jesus tells us about the work of the Holy Spirit. And in the creeds, we confess this person of the Trinity, this third person who proceeds from the Father and the Son, and who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified. As Jesus prepares us for him, we learn that he comforts us with his truth, and that he comes through Jesus' truth. Paraclete is one of the names of the Holy Spirit, and that word paraclete is taken from the Greek word that means comforter or counselor. You need the aid of a comforter when you're grieving or depressed, 
filled with anxiety or something like that. The disciples at this time when Jesus was teaching them would need a comforter, specifically the comforter, because their understanding was incomplete. They were going to be grieving the death of Jesus. They would be afraid of the world who killed their Lord. They would not feel like singing. The Lutheran church became famous for a style of music that continues in the spirit of the old Christian hymns that teach. We sing what's called the Lutheran chorales. And these are magnificent hymns of deep theology and doctrine which express the truth of scripture and then expound upon that word. These hymns are like sermons in song form and that's why there are many hymns in our hymnary with 10 or more verses. They complete a full thought. One feature of these chorales is that it doesn't matter how we feel when we sing them. God's truth remains the same, comforting us with the word, the same word, and strengthening our faith, the same faith, even when we don't feel it. And one hymn sings this fact exactly in the last two lines of its 10th verse. I cling to what my Savior taught and trust it, whether felt or not. A hymn writer and pastor of the 17th century named Paul Gerhard is credited with over a dozen hymns in our hymnary. He had a hard life. He sought to confess the truth of scripture at a time when the government in Germany and many of the people in his churches wanted him to capitulate to a false unity with the reformed churches around him. He refused and he was persecuted for it. He was hated even by many of those that he sought to feed with the truth of Scripture. But even still, in the midst of those professional and even some personal trials, he penned verses like this one. To mine his spirit speaketh sweet words of holy cheer, how God, to him that seeketh for rest, is always near, and how he hath erected a city fair and new, where what our faith expected we evermore shall view. My merry heart is springing and knows not how to pine. Tis full of joy and singing and radiancy divine. The sun whose smiles so cheer me is Jesus Christ alone. To have him always near me is heaven itself begun. And so Gerhardt's faith understood and expressed so that Christians like us could also be comforted by the Holy Spirit that when we are in trouble... When we face trouble and persecution and trial, we still have God's spirit and God's truth, the redemption of Jesus and eternal life. Today's chief hymn is by the great reformer himself, Martin Luther, who is perhaps the only writer in our hymnary with more hymns than Gerhardt. And this chorale teaches beautifully and soaringly the details of our salvation. Our Christian joy and comfort comes not from an emotional source, but from the truth of salvation. Dear Christians, one and all, rejoice with exultation springing, with united heart and voice and holy rapture singing. Proclaim the wonders God hath done, how his right arm the victory won, right dearly it hath cost him. And that first verse is an introduction, saying in the first place, that this is good news, which causes us to rejoice. 
Jesus told his disciples, Because I have told you these things, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is good for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Notice he does not tell them to stop being sad. And he doesn't tell them that their sorrow is wrong or sinful. But he does say that alongside their sorrow, he is giving them a reason to rejoice. We always have this reason to rejoice. Jesus has won our salvation. These are the wonders God hath done. God's right arm, Jesus, won the victory. The world which causes us to fear it is vanquished. This is the victory that has overcome the world, namely our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And that victory over the world is described by Jesus, too. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me. About judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. The important feature here is the division between the world and the disciples of Jesus. The world is convicted and condemned, but the disciples of Jesus are justified and saved. The world is convicted about sin because they do not believe in me, Jesus says. That sin of unbelief is the root of all sin. And if a person does not repent of his sin, he will not be forgiven any sin. But St. John wrote in his first epistle, I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven because of his name. And the world is convicted about righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me. Everyone in our world assumes that there is a righteousness innate in human beings. And so it's unbelievable to the world that a person who has, for example, donated much of their wealth to charity has dedicated their life to serving and helping others, has stood up for peace and for fellow men and for all other sorts of righteous deeds, it's inconceivable that such a person could still be condemned. But if that person does not know Christ or believe in him, he cannot be saved, because all our righteousness is nothing. Jesus' righteousness is everything. And so we take comfort in this. If anyone does sin... We have an advocate before the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. And the world is also convicted about judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. The ruler of this world is unquestionably the devil. He possesses this wicked age, and Luther's chorale teaches us about this too. Fast bound in Satan's chains I lay, death brooded darkly o'er me. Sin was my torment night and day. In sin my mother bore me. Yea, deep and deeper still I fell. Life had become a living hell, so firmly sin possessed me. My good works so imperfect were, they had no power to aid me. My will God's judgments could not bear. Yea, prone to evil made me. Grief drove me to despair, and I had nothing left me but to die. To hell I fast was sinking." Since the fall, Satan and all who follow him, which means all human beings beginning with Eve and Adam, all wish to have the rule and judgment for ourselves. 
We want to judge things the way we want to judge. But the judgment truly belongs to God. And therefore, in his first epistle, again, St. John writes, I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God remains in you and you have overcome the evil one. The victory is ours because it is given to us by the word of God who won that victory. God beheld my wretched state before the world's foundation and mindful of his mercies great, he planned my soul's salvation. A father's heart he turned to me, sought my redemption fervently. He gave his dearest treasure. In the same way that a sermon does, this hymn teaches us the truth of the word. The Holy Spirit brings us this truth and comforts us. Jesus said, he will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. We're not authorized to look for the Spirit apart from the truth of Jesus, his written word, because that is the means that he has chosen by which he comes to us. He comes to us through Jesus' truth. The Holy Spirit's work is to teach us and to bring us to faith. And faith comes from hearing the message. And the message comes through the word of Christ. When Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to the disciples who cowered in fear in the locked room, he said, Peace be with you. Just as the Father has sent me, I am also sending you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whenever you forgive people's sins, they are forgiven. Whenever you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So the work of the Holy Spirit is accomplished through the ministry of the messengers that Jesus sends who declare his word, his truth. It's the work of teaching, the work of convicting, and the work of comforting. And all hearts have to be convicted before they can be taught and comforted. We traditionally begin with the teaching of the law, and this shows the reality of our sin. In our catechism instruction, we begin with the Ten Commandments. And at the end of those, students can become discouraged at the idea that such high demands are made of us, such impossible demands are made of us. Except that there is the comfort of the one who has kept them all perfectly for us. Jesus instructed St. John to write in his letter to the lukewarm church in Laodicea, You say, I am rich, I have become very wealthy and need nothing. But you do not know that you are miserable, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. The work of the Spirit, first of all, is to call attention to our need to convict us of our sin. If we're unaware of any need, we won't see any reason to believe in Jesus. So the word teaches us, fast bound in Satan's chains I lay, death brooded darkly o'er me, my own good works so imperfect were they had no power to aid me. And this teaching is often uncomfortable, but Jesus says this too, I rebuke and discipline those whom I love. So take this seriously and repent. When blessings are taken away from us and when sufferings and crosses are given to us, the world judges these things as punishments from God, whether just or unjust punishments. Just because a person needs to pay for their crimes or unjust because God is cruel. So the world judges either man or God incorrectly. The world judges that man can accomplish his own salvation and or that 
God doesn't really care about justice and mercy. But the Spirit teaches us that in the cross, we find God's love. The cross is how you were saved, after all. In Luther's words, Jesus teaches, The foe shall shed my precious blood, me of my life bereaving. All this I suffer for thy good. Be steadfast and believing. Life shall from death the victory win. My innocence shall bear thy sin. So art thou blessed forever. So when we are disciplined with our own crosses, we're made to see our own misery, pitifulness, poverty, blindness, and nakedness in sin. All needs which are filled by Jesus' misery and pitifulness and poverty and blindness and nakedness on the cross for us. But we only understand this if it's taught to us by the word. And that word then comforts us after it, it convicts us. We see our sin and our need. And then we also see how that is all paid for by Jesus. Our comfort is all and entirely in Jesus Christ and him crucified. But whereas Jesus' victory was won once and for all, our hearing it never ends. We need it again and again. We daily sin much and deserve nothing but punishment. But the Lord's mercies are new every morning. And therefore, in Luther's words again, what I have done and taught, teach thou, my ways forsake thou never. So shall my kingdom flourish now and God be praised forever. Take heed, lest men with base alloy the heavenly treasure should destroy. This counsel I bequeath thee. The apostles and all Christians ever since are commanded to teach Jesus' word. And this is not a task that we're capable of. But the Holy Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives me and all believers all our sins. So you may not be called as a pastor or a teacher or an evangelist, but you are still used by the Holy Spirit to teach and to convict and to comfort. Through your daily interactions with other Christians, even your own parents or children or spouse, you forgive and are forgiven. And through your daily Bible reading, you become stronger and are given again the righteousness of Christ. And through the blessing of upright citizens, a city is raised up, says the proverb. And this is the city of God, which is strengthened when you as individuals are strengthened in faith. And more when you gather here, and when you sing these hymns, your voices are carried with the Holy Spirit so that his word teaches, convicts, and comforts all those around you who hear your voice added to theirs and all the saints and angels in heaven. We have sorrow now as Jesus is gone and we bear our crosses and our struggles with the world. For this reason, the epistle to the Hebrews says, let us also consider carefully how to spur each other on to love and good works. Let us not neglect meeting together as some have the habit of doing. Rather, let us encourage each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. This encouragement, and this comfort and counsel comes through the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not hard for you. It's love, plain and simple, simply repeating 
what belongs to Jesus. Share his word. Share his truth because it's yours. And because it gives you forgiveness, life, and peace through the Holy Spirit, which you can then share with your fellow Christians around you. Amen. Please rise. The peace of God which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to everlasting life. Amen.